If there was an Elon Musk of Italian manufacturing, it would be my guest this week. A true entrepreneur born and raised in Florence, Italy, the birthplace of the Renaissance. Coming from a long line of leather artisans, my guest this week wasn't content with continuing his family's legacy. He wanted to grow it. How, you ask? By offering to teach anyone in the city his family's trade secrets. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Italian entrepreneur Tommaso Milani. As the owner of acclaimed shoemaker Stefano Bemmer, Tommaso and I spoke about his life growing up in Florence, how he thinks his competitors can all learn from each other, and his never-ending desire for growing the tradition of Florentine manufacturing. How you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. I admire you a ton because you're this entrepreneur, artisan. I feel like in the fashion industry and, and in clothing, you have usually one guy who's the creative or one woman, and then usually another man or woman who's a part of the business. But I think you're one of the only people I know who is both at the same time. So it's a pleasure to be with you. The pleasure is mine. And uh well, I can explain why I'm both. Oh, well, uh, I, I, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that because you <laughs> you own and run uh, Stefano Bemmer, the shoe company, right? Correct. As a as a main focus of my attention, yes. Main focus. Well, let's let's. So, where are you from originally? Because you're from here, from Florence. You are like born and raised born in and Florence, hundred percent full blood. Whoa, yeah, that's awesome. This is home. Yeah, yeah. Well, where? Okay, you're going to have to walk me through some of this stuff. So you're born and raised in Florence. What was your family doing? My family is still, well, let's say my, my mother's family is still uh, managing a, a handbag company in, uh, in uh, Santa Croce, which is the second largest church that we have here in Florence. Yeah. It was started in 1949 as a, as a charity thing towards the orphans of World War II that were living in Florence. Yeah. Uh, so my great-grandfather and my grandfather... Uh, started this place where kids could come and learn a trade to to earn a living eventually, and uh, that's why it's called Scuola del Cuoio, which means leather school, because they didn't think it would become a company. But then, um, a year later, 1950, they figured like there was no industry to employ these kids that were becoming artisans. So my grandfather decided to open a school and company that would make product, hire them, sell the products. And we're, we're stuck there and in, in, the, in the church and we're stuck with the name, which means leather school. Whoa. Where, where did you come in? I mean, were you, well, did you so, come up in this school too? Or? Uh, well, not as a, as a, as a tr- training, but uh, so my, my grandfather started the company. Um, yeah. My mother and her two sisters joined the business uh, when they were young. They were still managing the company if, mm-hmm. uh, well my mom kind of i mean she and what was the she product lets me handbags mainly handbags well we started off with a leather desk set and photo albums it was traditional florentine craftsmanship mm-hmm. uh, and my grandfather had the intuition that there was an industry at the time that was blooming it was fashion and um what so, year is this 1950. Okay. Um, so it was before the first fashion show, which is 1954, if I'm not wrong, here in Florence. Yeah. And, um, and uh, he created this collection of handbags uh, that would carry the tradition of Florentine gold gilding. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so blending the two, the tradition with something that it's consumed faster and better and more than than a desk set. A desk set, once you buy one, you have it forever. Um, right. So we had these two things. We uh, the the school was made famous by President Eisenhower uh, that, when elected, ordered the desk set for the Oval Room in our workshop. So that brought it to the attention of the American consumers, which so, is the best market you can possibly hope to have. Well, wait, hold on. I just, just to interrupt. So the desk set that President Eisenhower ordered was made by your company? Correct. By my grandfather, company. yeah. And wow. he was so excited about it, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> okay. Who wouldn't, right? Yeah. Um, after that, Americans just learned that there was a place inside the Church of Santa Croce in Florence that made leather goods, and uh, it became a destination, and it's still there. But the handbags is what made us a, a bigger workshop from, from the traditional one that, that was uh, originally. And um, I, I never thought I would join the business. I, I'm an accountant by training. I, I went to business school, and so like, I, I never thought I would do craft. Right. Uh, as a, as a, as yeah, a the main air quote craft. Yeah. Never. Um, when my grandfather got diabetes, uh, oh, God. Um, he, well, he's a man of Italian men born in the 20s, self made, uh, that had three daughters. Okay. When I was born, I, I was the first born child, the first son, the, the, you know, the, the one that he, could finally, you know, hand the his trust type. to. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when he got this condition, he asked me if I could help the business, not join, help. Um, and I grew up with, with him. I mean, he's uh, is my father. He was my father by all means. And I couldn't say no. So I joined the business in a, in a financial uh, accounting uh, position, uh, allegedly. And then uh, eventually, I develop a passion for the creative part of it, the, the the product, the interaction with the client, learning what's the need that we are addressing with our products, and I started designing handbags, which which Whoa, was weird. Wait, for you me. designed handbags? Yeah, which, wow. which was fun because you get the feedback from a client, learn, you learn what they like, what they don't. It's 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 really fun, and you apply yourself, your your ideas, your taste. It's it's cool. And leather is amazing. There's so many varieties. It's it's probably like you know, like cloth, but in a way, I I, I, I was raised with leather, so I know leather better. And right. um, so I enjoyed the process so much that I gradually uh, like switched my attention from my my duties in the in the, in the accounting to marketing, uh, product development, and then once I got confident with uh, with what I was doing, I started developing ideas and project. How do we? How do we scale this? How do we make this bigger? And that was is when my personality kind of collided with the rest of the family. That would, they they love the company as is. They don't want to change it. It's been there. It's it, it will be seventy years next year. Seventy years. Yeah, and 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 they don't want to change it. If you go in, is exactly how it was seventy years ago. Well, By, how many people are in this company? There's roughly thirty-five to forty. Okay, and it's it, a it's a big workshop, uh, a small company. It's it's, a, it's an in between, and it's still obviously you said that it's it's all run in the family, right? Correct. So okay. there's my mother, two sisters, my cousin, uh, and a, and a 
couple of, of more distant relatives working. Plus, our employees stay with us for their for a lifetime. So it, it's fam- some of them were there when I was born. So, wow, yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's really incredible. Well, I think it's. Uh, well, first of all, in Italy, it's more common to pass on the company to the next generation. Uh, we screw up big time. I mean, sometimes. I mean, it's it's, it's not. It doesn't mean that it will survive the new generation, sure, but sure. Uh, but at the same time, it is more common to get the family involved in 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 the company. Um, but I, I want to say that my grandfather had a very clear idea of what Scuola del Cuoio would be, and uh, it was exactly what it was conceived. Uh, that was it. That was a school. We still do training, uh, a workshop that is family run i remember my, when i started working because i was the last joining uh i i got many like sundays and saturdays shifts because he, my father my grandfather sorry always wanted one of the family in charge hmm. um i don't know it's it's a matter of again it's it's your thing you should look over it and uh um, I've been watching over it and I, I've, I've been watching them work and I, for me it was the most natural thing in the planet to be part of the active part of the not just the organization the business meaning uh, be there wow just, just work things out where did you go to school did you go to school in here Italy? in Florence okay across the river from here oh wow <laughs> so okay so you then you become an accountant you're working for your family's company and you start designing bags Yep. Well, how did that business go? Very well. Really? Uh, the, yeah. The, the, the business is uh, still like the most profitable of, of the assets of the family. With some of the designs that you've still done? With Even with some of the designs. I, I think I want to say the most popular is probably one that my mother came out with in the 1982. Okay. And it's still like unbeatable. Uh, I like to say that I brought in some flair in colors and, and leather combinations, but I don't get, take credit for the design. Uh, but there's one that's selling really, really well. And, and it, it was my, well, not my design. It was my interaction with one specific client. Uh, actually, from Florence, for once. Uh, most of our clients are, are from, from abroad. Sure. But, uh, it, and the design we came out with together uh, was so cool that I decided to make another version for the store. And it sold in seconds. And then, you know, voila. So we still have it like 25 years later. When does Bemmer come in? Because, I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a big gap between there. So are you doing just running the company for... Well, uh, yes. Uh, as, as I said, at, at some point I got confident in my position, comfortable, and I don't like being comfortable. I like to be stimulated towards something mm-hmm. bigger than me. And uh, um, in 2000, and well, I tried different things. I, I built a different projects. One, one, uh, one five-star hotel uh, that, that I developed and, and sold here in Florence. Uh, and then I wanted to get into, thanks God, I didn't, restaurant business here in Florence. I always had ideas. Um, Wait, you, bu- you built a hotel? Yeah, and it's it's above Enoteca Pinchiotri, and it's a small. It, right now, it's a it's a it's a Baglioni Hotel uh, group, uh, but um, I, I originally developed. It. Well, the building was beautiful and it was unused. It was a language school before, and I thought this would be great. And it was like walking distance from Scuola del Coyote. For for me, it was like obvious. And um, but then uh, this was like 1999 in 2000 um the project was ready to to hit the 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 
the building part of, of the concept and uh, another tail group came in with the interest in, in acquiring the managing management uh, of the structure and uh, we ended up selling it as a, as a whole package because my grandfather didn't want to have partners so either <laughs> we own it and manage it or we we give it away so we sold it thanks god because then 2000 of course 2001 was a was a, a challenging year for tourism in Florence. As right. a fact, the managing company didn't do well, and it, it got sold a couple of times uh, ever since, and, and it's now owned by Baglioni Hotels. Wow. Anyways, the, the fact was <laughs> that I needed something to do. I needed something to challenge myself. Yeah, well, those are big challenges. Like, for me, a challenge is you know, maybe lose some weight or <laughs> well, I did that learn as well, a skill. But it wasn't so, so <laughs> these are, these are big challenges. <laughs> well, it, it, I think it's, it's, I enjoy the project. I enjoy the, the building a project is, is, is what I like the most. Uh, you know, the detailing of, of, uh, of the stra- strategy. It, it's, right. uh, it's what I appreciate. Um, so you're saying the project over the product itself, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Oh. I mean, it's, it, once it's done, I, I need something else. The product, I like it, but, but it's sure. not my passion. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. So 2008, just okay. to, to get to, to Bemer, uh, uh, we were at the Four Seasons Hotel, and uh, the, the hotel was showcasing Florence Best Craftsmen uh, for uh, an American company, actually, that got the entire structure for their top executives. Mm-hmm. And um, so the word, like, you know, old swords from shoes, Stefano, and uh, handbags, us, mm-hmm. uh, marble, uh, gold, the silversmith, I mean, you name it, and Florence Best was represented. And uh, that day, I figured that a, a, an old uh, fellow of mine from university was assisting Stefano Beme in, in sales, in marketing. Um, and I, I knew Stefano Bemer as a company, obviously, as, mm-hmm. as, as a workshop. And there were three of them plus Stefano at work. It was a very small workshop. Um, and I admired the product, but it was a bespoke only operation. I mean, I couldn't even afford, like, you know, right. <laughs> to, thinking about it. So, um, but uh, I, you know, we, we, we got familiar. Stefano was, was, was a trooper. So, like, it was fun to, to get to know him on a personal level. Um, and the first thing I said, it was like, you should grow this thing because you have everything you need. Um, and I would start in, in my opinion, I would start from training new artisans because you need capacity production before you can approach the market. That was the the businessman in me coming out. And uh, what was it like at that time? Was there no training or they had no training at a time whatsoever. They him and three and three Japanese craftsmen. Wow. Um, So I said, you know, you need to enhance this uh and uh, i can assist you with training meaning you give me the master and i know how to train we know how to train and he said oh it's a beautiful idea i'd love to get this done let's get together blah 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 um he was busy i was busy at this this, you know i was equally busy with other projects as well so uh it didn't happen um, we met again in 2012 at a charity auction. Uh, we had donated handbags and they had donated a pair of shoes. And my friend was still there, Tommaso Capozzoli, which is still with us. Yeah. Uh, and um, and he, he told me that Stefano had a condition, uh, kidney failure, and uh, that 
that so the business wasn't doing well because he wasn't full-time dialysis couldn't travel and uh, he said like now we can really use some help in organizing the business again um what i did i, I drafted a plan uh that what i would have done if i was in charge and mm -hmm. if i had of course the resources because i wasn't assuming that they were open to to you know letting me be part of it but you know this is what i would do and it was i would train uh, so that we could make more shoes and probably right. in a better and more efficient way i would start the production of a of a state of the art ready to wear or made to order collection so to you 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 reach a different audience people like me that at the time were buying i was I was obsessed with edward green and and john lobb at the time mm -hmm. so um You know, I would have loved to to shop for a small local uh, entity uh, that allows me to customize it, and it has this this flair of craftsmanship that, of course, I couldn't find in an Evergreen and Lob at the time because I was shopping in a local retailer. Right. So I was um, the experience. Right. You you get this experience of the bespoke thing, but it's not a bespoke thing. It's customized for you. Okay. That's always what I was. And it's, it's to quicker them. too, right? It's faster. It's yeah. cheaper because you, you, you're I, not having. I, I didn't know at fittings. the time. I didn't know anything about shoemaking. I know little today, but uh, at the time, I had no clue about shoes. Um, I just felt that there was a market they could reach, uh, and uh, and uh, and that was it. The the training, the the ready to wear collection, uh, a better enhanced experience. Mm -hmm. um, the family loved the idea and. Uh, And uh, they asked me if I was interested in, in being part of it. And unfortunately, uh, Stefano, shortly after, uh, his condition got, got much worse and he oh. passed in uh, during the summer. Um, oh, wow. So I, I ended up being like in the middle of the river crossing to, to I, don't, I didn't know what, because uh, Stefano was the master shoemaker. And for me, he was the partner that I was pitching ideas to uh, yeah so i didn't know whether i had the capacity of uh, of stepping into his shoes if you forgive me sure, the, sure. <laughs> the pun but at the same time the masters that were with him the three japanese guys uh mm -hmm. uh, two girls and a guy sorry um were extremely good in what they in what they did they were trained to his craft and um So I spoke with them first. I said, like, are you on board? Because I can't do this on my own. And uh, the family was still on board, but they said, like, we will not be partner because it was Stefano's thing. We're not shoemakers. And it's like, I'm not a shoemaker either, but <laughs> I'll be happy to do it. And uh, right. so myself uh, and Scuola del Cuoio, so my family business, we acquired uh, the workshop and... Uh, And we started the project as I envisioned it. So we moved everything in a new location that it, it you know today. Mm -hmm. um, we started engineering the ready to wear as you as you know it. Although mm -hmm. it's it, we're about to present two different lines, so that, there's a lot going on. And 2020 will be a, a, a ginormous year for us. I hope. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, And we started training that same year right away. Um, 
And ever since, the, the business has been growing. I think the blend of the elements, it's been, it's been great. It's authentic. There's, this, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's in your face, meaning you walk in and there's craftsmen at work and everything is made there. There's, there's no question of where the product comes from. And that really helped in, in communication. Uh, my knowledge with the, with the American market helped me make the connection with uh, with the different consumers at the time stefano was very well known the far east japan it was and still is a very important market for us um but america was almost unheard of and i said like this is awkward i mean the americans are uh, awesome clients first of all like I speak the language <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I don't speak Japanese. Uh, so we started like giving more attention to, to U.S. Uh, consumers and market in terms of, of how we communicate. And some of the clients that I had, uh, strange, like some of the clients that I had at Squad quite a time, I found out that they were also previous clients of, of uh, Stefano Bemer. So I, I connected again with them. And uh, I want to say word of mouth with being, with, we started to grow fast uh we we doubled sales every year for the first four years wow um, and but with the training in the meantime we we were stretching the capacity of production every every six months so um there was no stress it was just how fun <laughs> right and um well and th that's it it's been uh, it feels like it's been forever but it's only been six years it's, right so much has happened in six years that I wouldn't be able to to really get a a good feel of what it is, what it was. Sorry, six years ago. Again, I I feel it. I remember it like you know, the well, remodeling the the new the new workshop and everything. It it feels like ages ago. I mean, I remember visiting because just so the listeners understand, when a lot of people think of a workshop. Um, you have two different ideas. You have, you know, uh, like a garage type thing, like an American garage where it's like, you know, it's, it's messy. There's stuff everywhere. It, it doesn't really feel welcoming or accommodating because this is where work happens, hence the name, right? And when I first visited your guys's like atelier workshop showroom, and this was with Simon Crompton's Correct. thing. Yeah. And I remember going through your space and I wanted to spend more time just exploring your workshop and atelier than I, than I really cared about the event. And it, the event was amazing, but it was just how you guys created a spot that was really welcoming, that was very inspirational, and also like seeing the fact that this was a school that made a product. Um, you know, I was shocked. I mean, cause you, you know, you had different levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, all this stuff, but just like explain to some of the listeners, you know, there's multiple levels where each parts of some of the, of the, the, the shoes are made. And then all throughout that there, you could tell there was a really like beautiful respect and admiration as to where, you know, like who Stefano Bemmer is and, and where all that stuff came from, which is a really rare thing. And, and I feel like, as we were talking a little bit about like businesses Sometimes when there's a, a changing of the guard, things can get really shook up. But it, what you were doing and still do, it's, I mean, I assume, you know, Bemmer, wherever he is, he's like, holy cow, I had no idea my business could be this good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, well, first of all, when I, again, I, I applied the strategy that I pitched to Stefano 
for himself. So it wasn't to make it my own. Oh, of course not. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was the best way. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it would have been him doing it if, if it wasn't for fate. Um, yeah. And, uh, and plus, everything I applied in terms of ideas came from what felt natural to me from the experience with my family business. So craftsmen in front of the of the visitor and uh, everything made in-house and craftsmen trained by master craftsmen in the same facility. Everything is was existing. I didn't invent anything. Uh, I just, I applied it to something else. Right. And, uh, and, and with Stefano's passing, I just needed a new face for the company. I didn't want to be a face on company. I, I, I'm not a shoemaker. I, that's still my... <laughs> I, I would have a hard time putting a shoe together, probably. Um, I wanted a place that would represent the concept that Stefano stood for. Right. Uh, so that's why we I, I looked for a very specific kind of... Because it's a church, right? It is a church, which yeah. is odd because the other business is another church. So <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah. It, it, but again, it, and, and funny story, the, Stefano's wife told me that Stefano himself once went uh, to check this, this old chapel for his workshop. It was just too expensive for him at a time. And uh, so it, you know, like the, it's so many things like were made, made sense mm -hmm. in, in, in many ways. And, uh, and I still love the place. We're about to remodel it. Okay. Uh, um, so I told you I like the project, right? I like the, the planning, yeah. the, the details. So now so, you're getting excited. So again. <laughs> when, I, when I acted on Stefano Bemer, I acted as a buyer, meaning I bought this thing and, and what would I do better if, mm. I, if I could change some things, what would I change? What would I get rid of? Um, and how do, as a consumer, first of all, as a consumer, what do I expect from this, this place? Right. And um, so recently, very recently this year, um, uh, we, we reorganized some of the assets in, in, uh, in, in, in the family and I ended up buying back the rest of, of the shares. So now, um, now it's, it's only, it's only me. Wow. <laughs> I'm the only one left in charge. And, uh, and I, I decided that I would use this occasion, um, that it's a physical evidence, you know, to, as to act again on the company to perfect the details that I think from within, from, from, you know, being involved inside, you kind of pass on because you're too busy. So I said like, you know, it, it, it's, let's do it over again. I mean, I am buying this company again. What right. would I do? And what? So we're remodeling because now I'm seeing things in a different way. I like the feel. I like the, uh, it's the face of the company. I love it, but there's some parts of the customer's experience that I would do better and it probably okay. is slightly different. Uh, um, collections are going to be changed a little bit because now I know what clients are looking for and what each client is expecting from a specific product. So now we can detail the product in a different way. Right. Uh, so I, that's why I'm so excited because <laughs> I have a project. Yeah. Over the years of doing this podcast, I've gotten to talk to some amazing people. But one of my absolute favorites is American menswear designer Todd Snyder. Not just because he's an incredible designer, but because he makes clothes I love to wear. And all of his pieces never look like you're trying too hard. The style of Todd Snyder is a simple American ease that works from daytime to nighttime all the way to casual weekend. 
A true collaborator, Todd Snyder believes that a brand is judged by the company it keeps and continues to forge partnerships with iconic classic brands. His long-standing collaboration with Champion has produced perhaps the most desirable sweats ever created, and his association with Timex has led to a line of quintessential mid-price watches any man or woman would want to wear. This year, I had the privilege to curate some of my favorite pieces from Todd's fall-winter collection to share with the Blamo listeners. Visit toddsnyder.com forward slash Blamo to check them out. There's an elegant houndstooth sport coat, a beautiful pair of emerald green corduroys, the perfect denim western shirt, and my favorite piece this season, the long-sleeve camp collar tip shirt in navy. Each piece is a fantastic wardrobe staple every man should have in his wardrobe. So check them out and let me know what you think. Visit toddsnyder.com forward slash blammo and see why they're one of my favorite brands. In, in terms of like how you are scaling to just jump back to that. So when you, you know, give uh, Mr. Bemery your pitch, there was only about four people on staff. And, and what's, first off, what's the staff at now or the, the team? Uh, overall, I think there's 20 something of us. Okay. So like a five X growth yeah. here. How, how do you acquire uh, um, like apprenticeships and stuff? Craftsmen, we train yeah. them. They come, we, we have two classes a year okay. uh, for oh. 12 students. Okay. So there's classes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a six months full time, five days a week class uh, that it's only craftsmanship. So you. How you, do you get into that? Oh, well, you send the application, of course. Uh, for me, the only one thing is the motivation why you want to come and learn. Okay. Uh, that Because it, you don't do this job unless you love it. I mean, my craftsmen, because I, I, sure. I consider them my craftsmen. Of course. They love what they do. I mean, most of the time they go home at night and they think about shoes or what they can do different or, you know, stuff that they wish they had done and they experiment at home. They love what they do. They come with the with ideas. They love interacting with the client. So they are passionate about it. Uh, if you don't love this thing, you don't do it. It's, it's, it's really like, you know, you're driven, Right. To this to this job, it's not it's not a job. It, it's a form of art, and um, so motivation is what I ask and expect out of the applicants to the training program. And uh, out of each class, uh, normally I try to select one or two of them that are really talented and motivated and can potentially become an asset for the company. Uh, we train them for a year together with uh, on a one to one method with the master. Uh, and after that, we, you know, they're on board. They become masters on their own. Wow. So, but I mean, because that's the other thing that, you know, not only are you a business and obviously your, your school, which is similar to what you had with, with the other, with your family business. Correct. But in a way, you know, you're furthering the knowledge and the excitement of shoe and like classic shoemaking as well. Well, for me, it, if there was more quality on the market, right. if, if the standard of quality that we aim to was, was the standard for the market, would do much better than this. Uh, it's education. Uh, the, the market needs more education. Um, and uh, the guys that are coming for the for the training, if they have a project on their own, I will encourage and support you know to to just bring it on. If it's quality, the market needs more quality. Oh, okay. So this that's interesting. So if if someone comes to do the the education, the workshop, you know the the training program that you offer, it doesn't have to be where their end goal is to work for you. It could be absolutely. 
if they come with the project on their own, even better. Really? Absolutely. That's incredible. I like to share the, the, the vision we, Stefano, had and, and, and we have about the quality of shoemaking. Uh, I remember at, the fir- at my very first years, um, most of the time, we got compared, of course, to, to known brands, which is flattering. Sure. It's flattering. Uh, some of these known brands are not made by hand. Mm. So they're great brands, and I love the style, or I love the, the mission, or I love the communication. But quality-wise, we're in a different category. Right. So for me, it was flattering, but at the same time frustrating that we pour so much craftsmanship in what we do, and we get to compare to a shoe that it's machine-made. Oh. So that's why I say market, the market needs education um every company has its own dignity and 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 i'm equally equally uh an admirer of of many brands out there i'm not saying that our mission and our way is the way uh but customers should know the difference evaluate a product for what it is apples with apples pears with pears (laughs) okay well to I'm going to play dumb here, but w- what is the difference between a machine-made and a handmade shoe? I, I don't want to say it's quality because it's not. Um, I'll give you some, some the, just examples of sure. what could be a, a significant difference. Durability. Okay. Uh, a machine-made shoe is normally uh, made with, a, if it's a good ear, it's made with a, with a technique that's called gemmed. So the, the insole has this... this, uh, this um, part made of we call it the wall it's, it's this wall made of canvas which is glued to it mm-hmm. and the welt is is machine stitched on this piece of canvas okay so you you hear my my terms like glue canvas machine right okay so um in a handmade shoe uh, the wall is built by cutting a part of the insole raising it and then it's cut with a, with a specific tool they cut holes in it and mm-hmm. then they pass the thread through the welt and this piece of leather that they raised right. the wall so it, it it becomes well it, first of all it's an exercise of craftsmanship but but second of all is solid it's separate stitches leather on leather handmade and hand tightened right so um that alone is a different concept of shoemaking. Uh, with that, I will get to the point that if we we make shoes with the with the idea that we want to bring the bespoke feel and mm-hmm. experience into the into another segment. So even the last uh, the mold that mm-hmm. we use, uh, the different ones that we've developed, but uh, that we use kind of try to replicate that feel so the the arch support is higher you know the the heel cap is small and and containing um everything needs to give that feel so unfortunately you know comfortable doesn't mean loose or flexible comfortable means it's it's on point to where it should be secure so an hand welted shoe provides better arch support uh, so that's also a matter of feel. Uh, for instance, we, our top of the line um, mid-order collection is, is we call it Tradizione because it's 
technically, basically a bespoke shoe. By all means, it's just made on a size. Right. Um, and it has this narrow shank fiddle back waist that mm-hmm. it, it is it is typical of a, of, a, of a beautiful bespoke. And you would say it's poetry. And I, I would agree with you. The poetry of seeing this sole disappearing underneath the shoe is, is part of it. But it has a function. It's a, it's a natural spring. It's made of a, of a wood shank and leather, and it's carved so that it it provides that that uh, that push. And and I the first time I, I I wore one pair, I was I was mind blown. Yeah, I didn't think it would it would be so different, but it is so different from a flat sole. And so these things. I think the market needs to know more. So that's why I'm saying if I have a, a student who comes and wants to open a workshop in Singapore, please be my guest. I'll help you as much as I can. Right. Because you will, first of all, educate your clients because you come with the idea of bespoke shoemaking. Um, you will spread the mission. Uh, you will spread the name. You'll say, I've been trained by Stefano Bemer. And, and so that it works for everyone. Yeah. It's a well, win-win. It is. And it's something that you know, I, I really do wish a lot of other companies thought of, but in, in a way, because I think the most beautiful thing of the stuff that, you know, that you're talking about in terms of, you know, growth of the, the brand and the product and the education as a whole, yeah, everyone wins, but that's not the common thing, especially with people in clothing, because they feel like, oh, if I, like, almost like it's trade secrets, you know, well, if I tell you how this is made you're going to knock it off or you're going to do this. And, and what you're saying is like, no, if people understand more about how difficult these are to make and how, you know, really every pair is unique and this is all done by hand, everyone's going to win. Absolutely. Well, I, I have a very different vision on, on competition. Oh, please. Um, um, Let's hear it. My, my take on competition is that it, my clients are not shopping with us because we are the only option they have. They're shopping with us because they choose to try or to repeat their experience with us. Uh, The more they try, the better it is. They get a sense of what else is out there and what's better for them and what's best. Um, Nuances of of experience, of quality, nobody needs these shoes. Let's point. Let's start from from an obvious, uh, painful uh, concept. Okay, you don't need shoes that are above, you know, thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you don't. Right, nobody. You might want them, but it's like it's like saying nobody needs a Lamborghini. Like, yeah, you're referring to needs like essentials for life. Correct. Okay. So, well, in that case, no one should, you know, all we need are a couple rags. We don't really even need to have handmade well, clothes. let's see, there's, there's, of course, variations and layers of needs that, that we're addressing. But we're, we are, to give a, like, you know, we try to be the Patek Philippe of, of shoemaking. Nobody needs a Patek Philippe because, of, you know, a, an Apple Watch will give you exactly the same time. Right. So you like the complication, you like the experience, you like how someone spent hours and hours and hours putting this beautiful mechanism together. This is what you like, right? Yeah. Um, Same in shoemaking. You don't need the shoes, but by the time you get there and you buy them, you want them to be the best quality possible. Um, What I, the best client I have is the one that has tried every maker in the planet. 
Because really? they come with, we talk the same language. They've yeah. tried. They know what they're about to, to buy. Their expectations are set exactly on what we are about to offer. So in, to go back to competition, if the competition would, in the same quality layer, would come together more often, uh, there would be more education for the client, uh, more education on what's the difference between one product and another, Neapolitan tailoring versus Florentine tailoring, Milanese tailoring, English tailoring. Right. What is the difference? Is it, there's no better or worse. There is what's, what you like and what you don't like. Uh, and it's for value that you give to your money. It's, it's better or worse in the market is is a, is a vague concept. I can tell you what's the best possible, but maybe it doesn't fit you. Right. So it could be fantastic quality of all this shoe is incredible, but it doesn't fit you. And that's what's the point. So there's better or worse for you, and education is what makes it understandable. I my first uh, I always had this this feel that you know. Communication and association and education are key to success. Uh, so my first event in Florence, and that, that was uh, January 2014, uh, I invited shoemakers in Florence to come and talk about the state of the art of shoemaking in their respective company. So mm -hmm. there was, we invited everyone from, from Italian ones, Corte, uh, Foster and Son, uh, Norman Villalta. Uh, we invited Edward Green. Uh, we, uh, anyone that wanted to come and speak, Gaziano Gerling were there, um, were, was welcome. So we had this with Simon. We made, this was the first symposium ever organized. Um, and, and for me, it was a blessing. I mean, I was all of a sudden like, associated with some of the the most well and world renowned shoemakers uh and what is associated and for me it's not competition it's like we're sitting exactly in the same bench we want the, everyone to aspire to our shoes i mean that that's really beautiful i i, I feel like there's so much that you can apply that mindset to across other verticals like other businesses oh my god that i think in any in any category i mean uh, yeah. clothing tailoring oh my god they they don't i remember the the the, the event you came to the the one in 2015 oh, yes. the tailors symposium um we brought together uh because i i, I like that kind of association we so sure. we brought together panico from naples and liverano from florence and uh, edward sexton from london and most of these guys had never met before and to me that was like are you nuts like <laughs> you, you guys are legends in, yeah in, in in and you never met you never ex exchange ideas and or or really like you should be a league right and and they don't even talk yeah that's that was said it is kind of sad because when you think about other great artists a lot of artists know other artists and musicians you know the beatles and the rolling stones absolutely yeah they would they would talk to each other about release dates of albums they absolutely. would yeah they'd pop into recording sessions and yeah but i think picasso and brack they yeah. were best friends they were painting the same stuff they weren't looking at each other as oh he's my competitor they were looking at developing their concept their idea mm. uh, establishing a new way of painting and and together they're stronger so i i don't know like i i always look at this 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 
there's a this industry, or well, and now I'm talking shoes and and tailoring. Because sure. in the meantime, one of my projects had brought me to to acquiring a, a Florentine tailor. In 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 the meantime, two two years ago, yeah, it's already two years. Yeah. Um, and wait, who is this tailor? Um, Loris Vestrucci. Well, Loris is a, is a is an awesome guy. He started working when he was eleven. He's uh, seventy nine right now. Oh my gosh! And um, when he said he wanted to retire, I said, "There's no way." I was like, <laughs> "You can't." <laughs> Give it, yeah. First of all, uh, you know he's an Don't awesome tailor. <laughs> Second, he, he, I, I like stories. Right? Uh, story is what you what you communicate. What it's it's a tool that you can use. And and his story is is great. He's the last Florentine, meaning from Florence, right? Master trained by Florentine masters. Everyone else that we know in town that's doing extremely nice and, and well made products came to Florence as a tailor trained somewhere else. Mm. So the last of the last okay. was Loris. It's like you cannot let this thing go. I mean, right. we have a story. It's like the so. Um, I, I I pitched him an idea. <laughs> okay. And I said, I have an idea. He said, no, right away. And then six hours later, we were planning, okay, we moved the workshop here and then we do this and this. The, the concept was exactly the same. I said, like, I want to bring what you can do, the experience of what you provide, your style, your make, your quality, your everything into a segment that is not necessarily addressed in my opinion, in a proper way, um, creating a, a ready-made or a made-to-order collection that will bring your fit, your your ideas, your. The first time I met Loris, um, I I went to him with the with Tommaso Capozzoli again, uh, and uh, I was wearing uh, a jacket which I was particularly proud of um, because I thought it would f- fit me very well. Uh, made in Naples, I will not say. Of course. of course, the maker. Sure. Um, and the moment I walk in 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 the door, uh, he looks at me. I mean, I mean Tommaso <laughs> introduces me, and he looks at me and is like, "What the heck are you wearing?" Uh oh. <laughs> and I I was in love right away. It's like this guy doesn't have you know any any problem right. in, in speaking his mind. Right. Um. So I wanted that to be turned into something that c- could be shared by many, not just those few that were elected to be uh, a client of his, like in, in his home office, uh, you know, cash-only kind of business. That, right. You know, so if you weren't known, you wouldn't get in. So I said, like, this is an experience worth sharing. And I wanted to do this, and I needed a project. So voila, I did, I did that. But then I realized that the tailoring business... It, it's even more fragmented. It's yeah. incredible. It's like, you know, there's there's not that many shoemakers around. It's strange, but, they, you know, shoe brands that are not that many. If you think of how many tailors are actively w- traveling the planet, they, they, they can't stand each other. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they don't speak to each other. They, they don't. So when, I, when I, I wanted to do the same, so I pitched the idea of, sharing the experience i want to you know in, in my ideal world i go to one place and i find a neapolitan tailor an english tailor and a florentine tailor and 
and I choose and I learn the, the, the nuances of tailoring and, and, and one day I'm, I'm up for a morning suit and obviously I want the English guy to make it right. and one day I want something completely unlined and fun and flamboyant and I look at the Neapolitan one and, and if I understand the difference maybe I'll, I'll see how balanced the Florentine style and understated it looks but it makes, it, makes you look like comfortable with yourself and confident right it's it's understanding uh they're not up to it <laughs> apparently i tried <laughs> yeah well i mean at least you made the effort because I, I i think you're right i mean in my experience with other tailors i i want to say it's a friendly competition but there were some tailors that i met when i was like yo like chill man <laughs> no it is friendly until the moment that you pitch the idea that two of them sit together oh, yeah. then it's not friendly anymore or if you do an event and they say oh if he's here then i can't be here yeah but it's true here in florence as well um and i can i, I think i can say this sure so i i I am planning to open a, a training for for tailoring as well that the concept needs to be exactly the same i want to you know, that's my formula. Training, uh, ready to wear all the quality of bespoke, bespoke, and that's how you grow it. Done. Uh, so I am planning the tailoring component for the tailoring house that I have acquired. And and so I went to a very well-known, well, I can say, I went to Liverano, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which I know very well. And, um, and, uh, and I said, like, do you want to do this together? Because, you know, Florentine tailoring, there, there's only very few of us. Sure. Uh, do you want to, I mean, I'd be happy to not name it after us, but name it like, you know, Florentine tailoring school, like something like that. We do it together and we, you know, together we're stronger. Why fight over students if we can create a place where we can actually fish new blood for the pipeline of production of our clothing, right? Yeah. That's, that's a concept. It's very noble. The answer was a no. Really? Why? We're competition. And, and so the, the, I don't know, I have a, I have a very different take on competition. It, the competition is on the product. Your product is better than mine. You sell, I don't. Your communication is better than mine. You sell, I don't. Your ex, the experience you provide is better than mine. You sell, I don't. But in the end, there's nothing, again, there's nothing I can do to prevent my clients to give a look to what you provide in terms of experience, product, and uh, an assortment. Uh, it's, I, I want to succeed because I'm the best, not because I'm the only option. Right. It's, on one hand, I, I want to try to empathize with people who are like, oh, it's, it's competition. But at the same time, my experience of people who are into tailoring and who are into this stuff, they do want to try a lot of people and they do want to, you know, like, like what you were saying, like you want to, to have the full breadth of all of the available options. And so the more that are out there, everyone wins. And the more people that can, you know, I mean, look, I'll say it like this. So, I mean, I started this podcast three years ago and, um, you know, I was one of the, I think I was probably like one of the few earlier people who was making it. And now there's a lot of other guys who are, and men and women who are doing podcasts around this. And I, I think that's great. 
And a few people, I'm dead serious, publicly, I'll say it all the time. I do think it's great. And people will come up to me and be like, hey, there's this other podcast that started. It's great. What do you think? Because all of a sudden, it's a channel of communication, which is recognize and spread. Yeah. And I was like, that's, I'm, I want, I want there to be more podcasts, Absolutely. more menswear podcasts, more clothing, all that stuff. As long as they do quality communication. Exactly. Yeah. You're back to my point. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, because in, it, at least with, you know, I think there's a same like discern type of consumer into which you want to try it all. You know, when people that listen to this, they listen to my show, they listen to other shows that are like that. Great. Awesome. You know, you want to, you, you want to try steady shoes or you know you want to try bemmer you want to you know you want to figure out what's the best for you absolutely plus it's fun it has to be fun it, yeah again nobody needs this stuff <laughs> it, it it is an entertainment business yeah um it i i, I never say it en- enough is like keep the clients close and ha- let them have fun because Again, it, the, the, the competition is everywhere. You don't want them to go far and, and never come back. You want to be, you know, in the neighborhood. So the, that's, that's my idea. Keep them in this quality range. Mm-hmm. Let them play. Let them have fun. And let them choose who, who they like best. But, but that's it. Like keep them in this quality range let, uh, so that they don't shop for worse or for right. else. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Something that, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of realizing that you, that you do that I really want to thank you for is, in a way, you're keeping Florentine, like, craftsmanship alive, like, kind of single-handedly in, in terms of, of the vision that you're trying to project. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of this city, uh, especially since I, I started traveling abroad. Um, this, this city is, is, is one of a kind. I, I, love the, the, I love the history, of course, but I love the feel of a human size city it remains the city of the renaissance it's i I love walking around yeah uh it's so inspiring and uh and i do believe that florence is is nowadays um underrepresented uh, as a Mm. concept of craftsmanship art of course you know everybody you know you say art and they say we old of course the uffizi yes craft not as much. There's there's two thousand Neapolitan tailors traveling the world every year, and there's what two of us from Florence traveling. <laughs> it's a, right. it's a, there's you know there's four shoemakers in town as far as I know, three four shoemakers in sure. town, and 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 I I really wish they would be more active. I mean, I I encourage them to be more active. Um, Florence stands for something mm. and i don't want to you know sound like too too proud but but no this is an awesome city that gives an awesome inspiration I, the 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 best way i can i can explain what i feel about florence is like for a bodybuilder to be born inside a gym that florence is so beautiful that we are trained to beauty we're like natural born beauty makers because it's everywhere everywhere you look and and it, it has to be shared and spread because you know otherwise it becomes a museum we're not a museum we're alive right wow <laughs> that's really beautiful i'm serious <laughs> thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure this thank you great thanks man See ya. you've been listening to blamo 
Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Blammo is edited by Brendan Finn, and our intern is Connor Vaughn. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow along with us on Instagram, at Blammo Podcast, or email us at info at blammopod.com. Want to know more of what's going on in fashion, menswear, and meet other folks? Join our Slack group. It's a private chat group online where tons of other Blammo listeners chat about everything. Send us an email saying, I want to join the Slack, and we'll get you in. Oh, and stay tuned for future episodes because we're approaching our 100th episode and we're working on some fun projects and events all around the world you'll want to be a part of. See you next week.